Welcome to Fried, the Burnout Podcast, Season 5. The goal of each Fried episode, whether you're an entrepreneur, parent, employee, or otherwise defined, is to create moments of spontaneous healing by ensuring that you feel seen, heard, connected to others, and validated. By doing this, Fried fulfills its mission to kill the shame, blame, and judgment associated with burning out, and Fried adds to its original goal of creating a movement to hashtag end burnout culture. Should you need a coach, Fried coaches are standing by to help guide you through recovery. Book a call anytime by visiting the links in the show notes. Should you need a speaker, you can hire me, Kate, and you can rest assured that your people will have fun and learn about burnout at the same time. In the meantime, I'm ready to give you this week's episode, which will help you heal just a little bit more, starting now. Hello, Fried fans. Boy, do I have a conversation for you today. You are going to be so thrilled to hear this. And as per usual, my goal is always that you have a moment of healing. And there are going to be a lot of those moments today because we're going to talk about some things that a lot of people just don't really want to talk about but we're going to get into it because today my guest is Sophia LePage, who is a rebel queen and feminine embodiment and leadership coach. That's a mouthful, but it matters. She has dedicated the past four years to helping women around the world release good girl guilt. And you know, I love that. Recover from burnout, reclaim pleasure. I'm going to read those words one more time. Reclaim pleasure revive their feminine radiance and create sustainable success as they rise into the next le- next level of their leadership. In her 30s, after burnout and a messy divorce, Sophia broke free from good girl programming, ignited her feminine magnetism, and began leading herself from a place of desire. She traveled with shamans, sat with gurus, studied the esoteric and tantric arts, and now lives in Bali with her second husband and two cat babies, Sophia. Welcome from the other side of the world to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you, Kate. I'm so happy to have this conversation. It's not frequent these days that I get people that write pitches that cover something that we haven't done yet Mm. on the show. You know, we've covered a lot of things over the years, but this idea of a deep dive into pleasure for recovery just really hit me. But as per usual, don't worry, everybody, we're going to do this the way we always do it. We're going to start with your burnout story and then we'll dive into pleasure. Beautiful. So I'm going to leave the stage to you. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. So for me, I feel like I, I don't know if it was a child, like a parental thing or a societal thing, but I feel, I can't remember a time in my life, in my early life where I wasn't Um, having high anxiety, a perfectionist, trying to check all the boxes, be the good girl, you know, do go above and beyond. Um, I remember in primary school, which you would call elementary school, my teachers taking my parents aside and saying, we're worried she's going to burn out. So I was about 10 when they were having this conversation and my parents told me about it. And my reaction was great. I'm doing something really good. Like I'm being seen, I'm going above and beyond, you know? So I took it as like this almost like validation that I was special, that I was doing more than everybody else and that they were worried about me by how much I was doing. I was like, great, how, how can I do more? 
So by the time I was in my late 30, late 20, sorry. Yeah. I was like completely burnt out. I was in a marriage that, um, I felt didn't fit me. I felt contracted. I felt small. I felt like I was living my life by all the shoulds doing, you know, I, I felt like I didn't even know who I was, what I wanted. I found it really difficult to kind of think beyond my current life. I felt this deep inner feeling of there's, there's gotta be more than this, but I couldn't see anything beyond where I was. And I feel it was because I didn't know it at the time, but I was burnt out. So connecting with desire, connecting with pleasure, dreaming bigger, just felt so inaccessible to me. I was just exhausted. And, um, it wasn't really until my later thirties that I was actually able to really recover from burnout. And the, the thing that helped me was discovering feminine embodiment practices, discovering pleasure practices. That's what helped me get back into connection with my body, start listening to her rhythms. Once I learned how to circulate pleasure, it opened up these wells of vitality and radiance that I didn't know that I had the capability to feel. So I'm, this, this is why I really am so passionate about this work because I think it's like often the missing piece, um, for women. So yeah, that's my story. So there's a lot of things that happened in that story that already, I think there's a healing moment that already happened. There was a moment that my body just stopped for a second and goosebumps popped up and it was this moment of they're worried about how hard I'm pushing. It must mean that I'm doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. Shit. Right? Like, shit. And I, I felt that. And as we, when we have these healing moments, they're always become because something resonates with us. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. I still being in school again, I went back to school a year ago or so. I have one more year to go. I'm getting another degree and I love the degree and it's really helpful and it's been a wonderful experience, but I can't, I still, as a 39 year old woman, I'll be 40 a couple of days after this episode releases. So if you're listening to this release week, you can definitely come into the Facebook group and wish me a happy birthday. I will not answer because I will be on vacation, but I'm obsessed with my own birthday. So feel free to celebrate with me. Um, but this like idea of having to do it right and get praise for it keeps hitting me because I'm back in school. I've done so much burnout work. But I didn't do burnout work with how I felt as a student or as as a good girl in that environment because I wasn't in school when I burnt out. And so I wasn't using my skills in that place. And I'm realizing that, you know, if I have less than an A, like even an A minus, I'm like, ooh, got to do something about that. I'm 40 years old. It literally doesn't matter what my grades are. No one cares. But this, (laughs) you know, like literally nobody cares for a degree that I'm doing because I enjoy it. I already have a master's degree. Mm. I don't need this for anything. This is for enjoyment. And I still can't let it go. So there's some of these in some areas of my life, it's been really easy to let go of the good girl thing. 
because mm. I knew how important it was. And I was just like, oh, fuck this, fuck that, fuck this, I'm done. But there are some places that it sticks with you. So when you, did you notice that desire was helping you first? When did the good girl thing come into play? Like, how did you, when did you start talking about the, the good girl piece? Yeah. So I feel like that kind of started coming in at the time, um, like you touched on it in my bio at the time when I was going through my divorce. So I actually had an affair, um, and that's what ended my marriage. So I really, it, it like imploded before that everyone always thought she's so nice. She's such a good person. You know, like I had, I, everybody was my friend. Like I really tried hard to kind of make sure, like I never said what I really thought because I didn't want to offend anyone. I didn't want anyone to be mad at me. You know, I was really, uh, I, as also as a young, younger kid, I was really severely bullied. So I had this whole idea of like, I have to be on people's good side. Like I have to make sure that people like me because being the outcast was such a traumatic and, and, and Not awful safe. experience. Yeah. yeah. I felt yeah. so unsafe if people, so if anyone had a slight, even if I could possibly imagine that they, they might have some reason to be not happy with what I was doing. It triggered that trauma of being completely outcast. And it's still something to today that I have to really look at. Like I had an experience, um, a week ago with a new friend and I, we were going to catch up. And then I, I wasn't on the day. I'm like, Hey, look, I actually want to go, you know, do something with my husband. And she was like, okay. And quite short response. And I, then I started being, she's mad at me. Da, 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 da. And I actually now like I'll address it. So I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm having this story that you're mad at me. Maybe you're just busy and that's why you haven't responded yet. And maybe this is my own thing, but I just wanted to bring this to the table. If you are, I'd love to have a conversation about it. So I have tools now to deal with that, but it's, still something that can come up. So the good girl thing, I think when, when that, my reputation was imploded, that's when I really had to look at, like, I've invested so much time and energy into making sure that everybody likes me, but do I like me? Like, you know, like who, who am I doing this for? You know, who am I living for? Yeah. That's another Staying healing moment. Too. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's another <laughs> healing moment. That's this was, I didn't even, I was doing so much for everyone else. I wasn't doing anything for myself. So it wasn't even about, I didn't even know myself enough to decide whether or not I liked myself. That was like a whole nother level mm. of awareness that I was just like, what? I, I only exist to serve other people because otherwise I'm useless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And that, that's that like must be useful, must be pleasant, must stay connected, must because of that fear. And what's crazy in, because I'm doing all the studies and we're talking about a lot of hormones and a lot of things, there's this piece of information about oxytocin and oxytocin is the hormone of intimacy, right? So we're talking pleasure, a touch, intimacy, togetherness, closeness, bonding, tending, befriending. It's responsible for, for all these things. And yet oxytocin has a shadow side that nobody talks about. Mm. 
And this is really messed up. So oxytocin has this function where if you've decided on some level that someone doesn't belong in your circle for whatever reason, what, whatever reason it is, oxytocin has the opposite effect. So it leads to you ostracizing other people, to being less generous with them, to being less forgiving, to giving those people less grace right away. Mm. Right? So there's this like, there is a real fear of separating from people because staying with people has always kept us safe. But what I think uh, the lesson for me, and you can refute or, or, you know, talk about this, the, the way that it suits you. The lesson for me in this is that I have to find the people who I vibe with on that hormonal level with ease and without a lot of effort because they're, they're, our hormonal systems are more likely to click. And if I try really hard to fit into somebody's value system or way of viewing the world or whatever, I'm more likely to ostracize that person. And, and be less generous with that person. So I'll be fighting with myself because I like to be generous and they're more likely to ostracize me to be less generous with me. So fighting my way into groups of people or relationships that don't flow goes against nature. So there's this reminder of choosing your people wisely. Yeah, I love that. And I think that you can only really choose your people if you're being your authentic self, because if you're wearing a mask and pretending like I was pretending to be one person, so I was attracting people who often were also wearing their own mask and pretending their own things, right, is the deeper thing going on, but had these sort of different, you know, these different views that were inherently opposed to my, my way of being in many ways. And I think that there's also what I've learned about through healing my kind of good girl patterns. And obviously, as I mentioned, like it's, it's an ongoing journey, right. But through doing a lot of work around that is that when I feel in integrity, in my truth, aligned with my soul, what other people think doesn't actually matter to me. Like I, I was just sharing with you before we started recording, I recently launched my TikTok. I shared yesterday my, my cheating story of my, what happened with my husband, ex-husband and what I learned through that and how I grew and, you know, like the lessons that I took from that with the intention that sharing this will help other people also kind of look at their behavioral patterns and make those shifts before stuff like, you know, cheating on someone and causing a bunch of destruction happens. And the, the response has been super mixed. Some people really get it. And some people are like, you're evil. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Like you're just a narcissist and all this kind of stuff. And I can see that my old self would have been totally destroyed by this. But me now I'm like, okay, I see that this is their thing. Like it's super triggering, you know, it's like, it's a of really course. triggering topic. And, um, but I know that I'm not a narcissist. I know that my intentions of sharing in a good, I know the work that I've done to heal th those behaviors 
so that I wouldn't make that mistake again. And so, so their words don't have power over me. Um, and I think that that's a really important thing too, is like when we come into that space of alignment, then it's easier to attract those people who are our tribe. And it's easier to kind of not get caught up in these other people who, who don't agree with you because you're not going to please everyone. Like it's just impossible. Even if you're trying, even if that's your whole life goal, life goal, you know, it's just not going to happen. There's always going to be someone who's annoyed with you. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I think that there's a something to be said for, it doesn't matter what anybody says on a neuroscience level. It does. Our brains really respond to positive affirmations of, of who we are from other people. So we do need that reassurance from other people. But when you know who your people are, and you can say, those opinions are less valuable to me because they're not my people. Mm -hmm. There's where we can create that distance, right? If your people showed up at your house today and said, we think you're a shit bag. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't go very well. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. And also they wouldn't say that because they're no. my people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's this idea that, that like a lot of people say that, like, I'm, you know, I'm so authentic that it doesn't matter what anybody says. It does matter what some people say, but it doesn't matter what everyone says. Mm, yeah. I love that distinction. And I think that that's, uh, that's important. I don't, I don't like for people to have this, um, idea that they can get to a place where it doesn't matter what anybody thinks at all, because I don't find that to be realistic and the, the neuroscience doesn't support it. So there's that, that little caveat that I think is a really juicy bit to hold on to for people. Speaking mm. of juicy bits, let's get into pleasure. <laughs> Did you yeah. like that segue? <laughs> I did. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so smooth. <laughs> <sighs> so you went through like, you destroyed your own reputation. You went through a bunch of people's judgment then, now, all over again. Now it matters a little bit less because you're in a, in a different place. And along this journey, while healing the good girl, you got in touch with sexual energy, feminine embodiment, pleasure, desire. Let's break down what a few of those things mean first. When you say feminine embodiment, what does that mean for you? So for me, feminine energy is about being in the body. So masculine energy is generally more about ascending, going up, you know, like it's consciousness, it's the thoughts, it's the logical mind, it's the science, right? Whereas the feminine is about the feeling. So it's about intuition, the feeling it's, it doesn't necessarily make sense. It's not quantifiable in the same way that, you know, facts and figures are. Um, so feminine embodiment is, is the practice of being embodied. So being in the body, um, connecting with, you know, sensuality, which is senses. What does it, how does it like touch, taste, smell? What can I see being present with what is happening inside the body and externally around the body? So this is why I feel like feminine embodiment is such an important piece of this because a lot of the time when 
you know, we look at these behaviors of the people pleasing, the good girl, it's, it's focused. The energy is a lot up in the mind, right? The spiraling thoughts that what do people think of me? No, 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 no. All these kind of, I need to prove myself. I need validation. I need all these things. And so we're not really present with the body and that's when we can burn out, right? Cause we're, we're, we're so busy focused on achieving, um, and proving that we don't pay attention. I'm exhausted. I need to rest. I'm tired. I have no desire. And so we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So coming back into connection with the body allows us to notice the signals of when things are starting to not feel good anymore, you know, on a, on a sort of physiological level. Um, and, yeah, that's a, I think that was the question you asked. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. was there more to this? I don't think so. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet, but we will, we will continue right yeah. along. So this idea of feminine embodiment, this idea of sensuality being your senses, all, all of them and using them, being in touch with them. Where does desire come into play? Yeah. So desire is, um, a lot of times when people think of desire, they think of sexual desire, which is one part of it. But I also speak about desire as the deep longings of the soul. So for instance, the desire to belong, the desire for love, the desire to feel authentic, the desire to speak our truth, the desire to be accepted and loved as we are. These are all the deep longings of the soul. And when we, and they're accessed through intuition, it's, I say that, um, for women, our intuition is in our womb. Um, and this is also where desire is. This is where the sexual energy, you know, originates from. So when we start to tune in with like those deeper longings, which can often feel kind of like almost painful sometimes to acknowledge, that's when we start to hear like, oh, this is what my soul's longing for. So I feel like the, the deeper longing, the deeper desire of, um, women and people who tend to burn out is to be like the best versions of themselves, right? Like I always wanted to, I always wanted to fulfill my potential. That's why I worked so hard, but I thought that I was doing it so that I could be safe and loved. But the deeper longing of my soul, the real desire was to, to really reach my full potential in this life, which isn't about you know, getting all the, the A pluses, it's about like being fully expressed. Mm. Yeah. I just had to let that sit there for a minute. You say the words being fully expressed and that was one of the things that came with me through my first book. I knew that in order for that book to be what it needed to be, I needed to be honest as hell Mm. and really be in it. Because a few years before I wrote it, my very best friend, we were laying, we were in a spa. We were laying on a king size bed, staring at the ceiling, talking about, just life or whatever, you know, it was one of those moments that would happen in a movie. And we're just like, we're bullshitting. We're in our, you know, our hair is wrapped in towels. We've got our robes on. And she stopped and she said, you know, what's really fucked up. 
And I was like, what? She said, you know everything about me and I barely know you. Oof. Oof. I was furious at first. I was like, what are you talking about? I tell you everything. I'm an open book. She was like, no, you tell stories. You don't express yourself. You are not here. You wrap things up in a bow. And I was like, uh, it took me five years to work through that statement. And I don't think I'm still fully expressed, you know, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with the process being the process, but that idea of being fully expressed, how would you describe that to people who are like, expressed what? You know, that are so far down the burnout road that they're like, express this. Right. I feel like it's, yeah. And I think being fully expressed, right. That's the, the soul desire. That's a lifelong journey. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like you just one day you're like, now I'm I'm fully expressed and I did it. You know, (laughs) it's like, I can't check it off my list. (laughs) There's no like tick. Unfortunately not. <laughs> you guys take that. Can my assistant take that off my to-do list, please? <laughs> right. Um, but for me, what it is, it's like the, it's the deep inner awareness of what I want, what I need, what I feel, what I believe, what I um, long for, what I'm interested in, what I'm excited by, what what hurts me, what what triggers me, what makes me feel vulnerable, and sharing that, you know, like ha- allowing myself to feel all my emotions. This is another thing that I feel like is why the feminine embodiment is so important in the burnout piece because burnout it it, it takes a lot of energy to suppress ourselves. You know, it takes a lot of energy to suppress your emotions and just keep going. Um, and, and so that can lead, you know, it's like a huge energy drain. So once we start getting into the body and like, okay, what are my emotions? How can I allow myself to feel these without judging them, without saying they're wrong? How can I stop labeling things as bad or good. Like, oh, it's good to be happy. It's bad to be sad. It's good to be peaceful. It's bad to be angry. You know, it's like we, all of these emotions are valid and they all have their place and they all teach us different things. Like if you're angry, like that's a really good sign that there's a boundary being crossed. Either you're crossing your own boundary, which people pleases we do all the time, or you're somebody else's crossing your boundary, you know, um, you're not holding a boundary. So if you're sad, it's like, there's something that you're longing for that you're not owning, or maybe it's like, there's something that, that wants to be forgiven inside of you. There's a place to bring compassion that hasn't felt welcomed. So there's many, you know, all of our range of emotions are there, all of it to help us to become more of ourselves, to heal, to grow, to change, to evolve. Um, So yeah, I feel like it's just, 
It's really about giving ourselves the permission to be messy freaking humans, yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah and I, Sarah is my second in command here at Fried. Sarah and I were just having a discussion recently about this um, letting go of the need to judge all bodily sensations or states of being as bad. And when you're burnt out, you want so desperately to feel good. I had a client once who was like maybe six months out of her burnout. We we had finished. She was doing really well. She called me. She's like, you know, I just keep getting really tired every day at like 7 PM. And I'm like, well, what's your day look like? And she described it. And I was like, well, no shit. You're tired. That's just normal. You know, it's like, like you're supposed to be resting then in your day. Like you get up at four 30 and you're tired. That's normal. And she laughed and laughed and laughed. And she said, you know, I demonized fatigue for so long that I forgot that it's a normal bodily process. That's just information. Your emotions are information. Your bodily state is inform. It's just information. So if we can just use it, we're all right. Like not, not everything is like, and and sometimes the, the other thing that Sarah was saying today uh, is that sometimes these bodily sensations that were like, oh, my back hurts. That mean I must be, that means I'm doing something wrong. Or that means, you know, that I, no, sometimes there's just, you're just moving through something and that's okay. You know, like to, to take away this level of judgment on everything that's not neutral. Mm. You know, because if we stay positive for too long, we start judging that too. So we can't be too energized or too happy and we're not supposed to be angry. And we're not supposed to have any pain and we're not supposed to. But like you said, we're freaking messy humans. Like we're going to feel all sorts of things. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the human experience. You know, I feel like that's what we came like. We're here. We have bodies. We have feelings. We, you know, like let's use them. <laughs> like let's experience them. Like I, I want to, I want to experience the full, the full range of what it means to be human. You know, I've had my heart broken. I've been devastated. I've been the heartbreaker. I've had the most incredible experiences. I've had moments where I'm like, what the hell is my life? What am I doing? And I'm grateful for it all because I have had a rich experience in my life. And I think that the more that we can welcome or just even hold space for like, hey, you're going to, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, there's going to be everything in between. It's like when those moments come, we're not like gripping onto the beautiful moments. Like, oh, I did, never want it to end and ruining the experience in the moment because we're worried about when it's going to be over or not living, you know, not giving ourselves experiences because we don't want to have the hurt later. You know, I think it's like, let's just let it, it's like, let it move through us. Yeah, don't need to be so grippy on it. And don't plan your emotions ahead of time. Like I'm going to be so disappointed when, if I'm going to be so angry when, if like, if that happens then get angry, cool. But you don't need to get angry. Like ahead of time, you don't need to be sad ahead of time. Like it's going to be so awful when like, listen, we have plenty of time to feel all the emotions. Let's get back to right now. Let's yeah. be here. 
Yeah. I remember when like I'd be, go on holidays and it would be the first day of the holiday and I'd arrive and I'd be like, Oh, I just don't want this holiday to end. I'm going to be so sad when it's over. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> it was day one of the holiday. <laughs> just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a, what a fucked up thing we do to ourselves. Mm-hmm. What do you think <laughs> is the most fucked up thing we do to ourselves? I think it's um, make ourselves wrong for not being perfect. I just stabbed (laughs) myself in the chest on video without anything in my hand. I just used my fist. Don't worry. I'm not holding a sharp object. Yeah. Mm. And perfect in every single way, in every aspect of life supposed to be real good at all the things all the time sorry yeah yeah without ever being taught how to do them (laughs) yeah yeah you have like no background knowledge but like figure out (laughs) like imagine if someone was like and now you shall become a doctor and I'm not gonna give you any training (laughs) you just gotta be a doctor right now like fuck something that's come up quite a bit recently because there's a I'm seeing the more and more time that passes being in the burnout world I'm seeing a massive disparity between people that get some help in their recovery and people that don't and the people that get help seem to take anywhere from 12 months to 18 months sometimes it pushes to two years if there's a lot of like underlying functional medicine stuff that needs to be dealt with or you know but within that range somewhere, I've had some people be pretty close to clear from burnout in three or four months. That's just not typical, typical 12 to 18 with help, without help. It's like two to five years. Mm. So, and it's a, it comes down to this being thrown into being a burnt out person and then expecting yourself to just friggin' know what to do. Like you're not a doctor today. I mean, if you are a doctor, this doesn't apply to you. Like say lawyer instead. And if you're a doctor and a lawyer, like you, you no wonder you're burnt out. But <laughs> like, it's like, you just found out that you're burnt out and you now expect yourself to know what to do without help to get out of it. What yeah. the hell? You had quite a bit of, of like experience that helped you. So you said you worked with some shamans, you worked with some gurus were there. It's such an exploratory phase for so many people. Like I had a coach and a therapist and, you know, I did acupuncture and I had massage and I did, you know, whatever I had done the gurus and the shamans beforehand. And I didn't embody any of the wisdom. It was all in my head, which is part of the burnout. (laughs) I was just, it was all right here. I knew everything. I just wasn't feeling a goddamn thing. So when did you know that, that, that sort of esoteric path was the one that was yours? Um, it, it was something that I resisted for a long time. Um, 
I think I, I was quite like a spiritual, you know, I was very interested in spirituality as a, a young girl, but I had a lot of ideas around spiritual people. So I was like, mm. spiritual people have no money, mm. spiritual jobs have no, you know, and I was mm. like, I want to, I want to have a nice life. <laughs> I'm like, I want to, I want a nice car. I want a nice house. Like, all that kind of stuff. So I, and I was like, you know, I wanted to be successful. So I was like, I can't be spiritual and successful. Mm -hmm. So I kind of turned that part of myself off. And then after my divorce, um, when I was realizing all the, the good girl things and like, Oh, I really need to do some work because like I've fucked my life and I hope it's okay to swear on this podcast. Oh, I've, I've been dropping F-bombs the whole time. So I, I've done it twice already. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm not counting. I didn't even notice. Okay, great. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm keep trying to keep it, you know, like semi-professional, but nah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when I realized that, and then I was like, wow, I really need some help. So the first thing I did was start going to healers. Mm. Um, and because I really believe that things have an energetic, you know, under underlying issue, like even a health issue comes back to the energetics. Um, so, so I was really like, let's get to the, the root of this. So I wasn't going into it as like, let me heal my burnout because I didn't know that I was burnt mm. out. And this is, I think the, the issue with a lot of people, mm. I didn't realize that I was burnt out until I wasn't burnt out anymore. Mm. And then I was like, Oh, like after I discovered the feminine embodiment started to feel better, I was like, oh, all that time where I was like totally exhausted, didn't know what I wanted, really struggled to dream bigger. Like that was because I was burnt out. Mm. So it was like a really long journey. And the, the work that I was doing in the meantime was for other things. Like how do mm. I love myself more? How do I mm. feel? How do I forgive myself? How do I be more honest? How do I live in integrity? How do I speak my truth? Like how do I you know, have healthy relationships. Like how do I not destroy my life all over again? That was what I was worried about. And then I was like, what do I want to do with my life? And that it was through that journey of the, like doing the internal work that then I was like, oh, this is my, my path. So mm. I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was <laughs> far into the, far into the journey. Um, so I never would have imagined, you know, like back in, um, 2010 that I would today be a feminine embodiment coach telling people about my cheating story. Like that would just have, I would have been like, what do I need to do to make this not my reality? Cause that sounds really scary. <laughs> What you just said is so important. And it's something that I have, uh, by the time this comes out, maybe I will have done a solo episode on it, but it's been on my list on my pegboard for like six months and other things just keep, keep superseding it. But this idea, a lot of times in, in the Facebook group that's attached to fried, there's a, a question comes up that says, well, I don't know what I want. So I can't start because I don't know where I'm going. And I'm like, no, no, no. You are not going to know what you want unless you start going right. anywhere. It like doesn't even matter where you go first. You have to go any anywhere because that's how you find the thing that clicks or in the mm -hmm. things that don't. 
and you're not, you can't figure it out in your head. You can't figure it out in your head. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) So true. (laughs) And it's so hard as people are like, well, I just, I, I don't know what I want. So I have to stay at my job. And I'm like, well, you have to try some things out. You have to feel your way through things. You have to try, like even I, I always use the example of you find a dress online and you know it's the shape that's for your body and you buy it and you don't know if that baby is going to look good on you until it's on your body and you're standing in front of a mirror. And sometimes you're like, I knew this was the right fit. And sometimes you're like, how? Is that seem over there? Mm. That doesn't make any sense. Like sometimes it just doesn't work and there's nothing wrong with the dress and there's nothing wrong with you. It's just not the right fit, but you don't know until it's on. You got to buy it and try it and then find out. I love that. Yeah. It's like the, the being willing to, to, to fail. Yeah. that was the reason I ended up, I was living in London, working in investment banking at one, at one point. And when I left to go traveling, I was like, I know this life isn't for me, but I don't know what life is for me. And I have to go, like, I felt it in my soul. It was like, one day I woke up and I'm like, I need to sell my house and I need to go traveling. And I was like, I was like, no, don't let this be what I really need to do. I'm like, my life is so comfortable. I don't want to go. I don't want to do things that I don't want to do. But I, I knew that like, I had to do, I had to go do things that I'd never done so that I could have experience that I was, that I'd never had. So I could learn the things that I didn't know so that I could find what I wanted. And I remembered like, you you know, all those years ago, like living in the, my family moved us to the country, to this beachside town when I was about eight or nine. And I saw these kids surfing and I really wanted to learn to surf, but they were so good. And they'd been surfing since they were four. So I was like, I'm too old to learn to surf. You're like 12. Yeah. I'm like 10 years old. And then every summer I'm like, okay, last year I thought I was too old, but that was crazy. Okay. I'm going to learn this time. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to fall. I don't want to make, I don't want people to laugh at me. I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm too old. And then I got to 18 and I'm like, why didn't I just learn when I was 10? So, Mm -hmm. and I kept doing that a lot in my life. Like I'm too old for this. I didn't go traveling until I was 30 four years old, 35 years old, you know, but I was like, I have to stop saying I'm too old to do things because otherwise I'm going to go through my whole life and never have done anything and be at the end going, Oh my God, why did I think I was too old when I was 40? Why did I think I was too old when I was 50? Yeah. yeah. I want to bring something up that you said that, um, I don't want people to miss. You had a very deep soul longing a very deep desire. You knew you had to travel and there was resistance, Mm -hmm. right? I want to say that because I'm going to close my window so that the train can pass by. (laughs) I want to say that because there are a lot of coaches out there that are like, when things are working, you just flow and everything feels good and don't do it unless it feels good. And don't sometimes doing the thing you want and need to do feels scary and fucking terrible. So let's just say that 
really quick. I want to say that in that way with that power behind it, because that's what you just told us, right? you like, you knew you needed to do it and you really didn't fucking want to. <laughs> yeah, really didn't. You know, so it's not always this like magical, like conglomeration of events that ends with you like dancing in a ballroom with fucking Prince Charming. Right. And the deeper pleasure, you know, like, cause I work with pleasure, right? The deeper pleasure of knowing that you did the scary thing mm-hmm. and that you followed the directive of your soul, even when you were like, what the fuck, how's this going to work? <laughs> ah, is this even what I'm supposed to, you know, the deeper pleasure of knowing that you're in alignment that's what pleasure is. It's not like, oh, this feels so comfortable in the moment and oh, this is the easy option or like, oh, it's okay. You know, like there's a big difference between sort of being comfortably numb and having like real vitality and the the pleasure of feeling the aliveness, the pleasure of feeling like, you know, even when something is scary as fuck, you're still going to you're going to go for it. And that's where I feel like in my life, like I know no matter what, now I know no matter what, I will always do the scary thing. And so I'm less afraid in my life in general, because I know I'm going to, if, if I become aware of something, I'm going to face it and I'm going to work through it and I'm going to come out the other side more powerful. And that gives me the confidence to to push into my edges, to really grow, to really expand, to become right as fully expressed as I can in this life. That is a really beautiful place to start wrapping us up. I want to give you a few minutes to let people know how they can work with you, how they can find you. If you have a a burning sentence inside of you that you just think needs to be said out loud because sometimes they're just sitting in there and you're like, I have to say this one thing before we finish that this is the time for, for all of that. Mm, Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Well, I feel like it's just, you know, like you, you have the power, you have the, the power to, to shift your life. The desire is there. It may be buried, but if you can give yourself a little space to get quiet and just feel, you'll be amazed by what you can move through if you actually allow yourself to do that. that. And then the ways that you can find me. So definitely head to my website. Are you going to put the links? Do I need to say all the, you don't have to spell them out. All the links are always in the show notes. We'll put as many as you want. Okay, great. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so head to my website there. You can find all the different ways of working with me from self-study options. I have some really epic, um, feminine embodiment practices to get you started like rebel queen Kundalini, which is my favorite. I created it. Um, really good for getting you reconnected with desire, pleasure, juiciness, aliveness, vitality. Um, there's also ways that you can work with me one-to-one there. And please find me on Instagram and on TikTok. Say hello. I love hearing from you. So um, especially in, in Instagram, send me a DM. Tell me you listen to the podcast. Tell me what stood out for you. Um, and, you know, my doors are always open if you have any questions. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. This has been so great. I loved it so much. And there's, I, I, 
you know, always hoping for those healing moments. And when we had one three minutes in, <laughs> I knew that we'd be okay here, you know, like there's, so my, the thing that I feel drawn to do for myself right now, I've been spending so much time in my head because of school is to space out and spend a little bit more time with my body. It was a good reminder for me today, this conversation to just spend a little bit of extra time in my body. So thank you for that so mm. very much. All right, fried fam, we are wrapping up another episode. I would love to talk this one through in the Facebook group. You know where to find us. We're waiting for you. We're holding space for you. There is so much support for you in so many places. As long as you're willing to take the step and do the scary thing and make some shit happen. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.